There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for smart, successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And today I'll be joined by a guest to give you an inside look at the work I do with my clients. This is your opportunity to learn through someone else's experience. They may even ask a question you have or one you haven't even thought of yet. So keep an open mind, open heart, and let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to episode number 295 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be with you this week. And just a quick announcement before we get going. I would so appreciate if you haven't already, if you pre-ordered my book, You Are Meant for Love. It is coming out next month, February 24th. But in the meantime, I would so appreciate you pre-ordering it. What's the difference? Well, it makes a really, really big difference to the author, which in this case is me, for pre-orders. Companies like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and also other big bookstores and also small bookstores, you know, they decide which books to order for their stores and whatnot based on orders. And pre-order is a really big part of it because all of the pre-orders count towards the first week of books. So if stores are saying, hey, there's this book in the self-help section about love that's actually getting some noise and getting some orders, let's order that for our store as well. That really helps me. So I'd so, so appreciate you pre-ordering the book. And yes, there are lots of goodies if you pre-order. One being that you will get a free ticket to join my upcoming workshop this March, Decoding Your Relationships, which is where I'm going to be taking you through the actual exercise that I walk you through in the book. So if you ever wondered like, why does this keep happening to me? Or why is this my love life or whatever? Decoding Your Relationships will help you figure that out. And of course, it'll be a live workshop so you can ask questions. Um, Some folks will be able to be coached and all that kind of good stuff. If you don't pre-order the book, no worries. You can still come to the workshop. It's $49. However, when you pre-order, the book will be around $10 based on whether or not you get the ebook or the uh, paper version. So obviously, it's a much better deal to just pre-order the book. Uh, So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash book will forward you to the um, Amazon page. Of course, you can pre-order wherever, you know, bookstores or books are taking those pre-orders. And to sign up for the workshop and to be entered into some of the other giveaways that I'm hosting around the book, um, go to veronicagrant.com forward slash pre-order. And there you'll need to upload your receipt. And then you'll be you'll be good to go. You'll get all the information that you need for the workshop. And will be entered into winning some coaching with me as well as some other goodies. So yeah, I am super, super excited about it. I'm super excited for you to read about it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Um, If you do want to get a little sneak peek on the episode last week, so episode 294, I read the introduction to the book and talked a little bit more about it. So you can go listen to that. And that's all I'm going to say. So with that, let's get to my coaching call today. 
Today, I have Brooke on the show, and I'm talking all about money and love because they're so intertwined and so interconnected in so many ways. I mean, yes, on the very practical way, because if you are in a serious relationship and you're committed to building a life with someone, then you are going to have to talk about money, right? Because like you might live together, which means you're going to have bills and a mortgage or rent. So of course, there is that. But then I think also on an energetic, emotional, and even like spiritual level, I do think that we often relate to money and love in much the same way. And so I can just really, really geek out about this all day. And in fact, next month in February for the solo episode, I'm going to do a whole episode about spiritual personal finance um, and just talk a little bit more about how, you know, how I manage my money, both like very practical nitty gritty, but then also the more spiritual aspect to it. So if you like this episode, Uh, listen for that one. That'll be coming out in February. It'll be the second week because it's going to be that solo episode. So just uh, keep an eye out for that if you are into this topic as well. All right. So I just want to get straight into the episode because I do explain a lot of the concepts and philosophies and kind of stuff that I'm talking about here in the actual coaching call with Brooke. So I don't need to do too much of that here or even in the outro. Although in the outro, I will um, kind of just break down like step one, step two, step three kind of things so that you can have just like very clear, tangible, actionable steps to take if you would like. But here are some things to consider as you're listening into my coaching call with Brooke. Number one, do you feel shame around what's either in or not in your bank account? Next, do you hate talking about money? Next question, is money just this thing we all have to deal with, but you wish you didn't? Next question, do you just assume you can't afford something or it's too much without actually looking at the numbers? And the final question is, what do you believe to be true about money? And here's what I do want to say. Listen, I've talked about money on the show. I know this is not the first time. As I already said, it's not gonna be the last time because I'm gonna do that solo episode in February. But here's what I've noticed through my own experience working through my own money stuff and also helping a lot of my clients with their own money stuff. There's a really, really good chance that you relate to money the same way you do to love. Now, here's the thing. Money and love aren't a reflection of your value or your worth, but we live in a society that makes you believe it is. So I believe we have to actively de-internalize it. Otherwise, before we know it, like we are, we are attaching our value and our worth to what's in our bank account or to how many matches or dates or the relationship we have or whatever it is. So I think there's a really good chance, however you relate to relationships, men, wanting a partner, partnership in general is often how you relate to money. So yes, money is tied up in privilege and specifically historical privilege. And It is true that there are many people in this world that do not have enough money to make ends meet. And perhaps people listening to this very podcast that do not have enough money to make ends meet. That is very real. What I also find to be very real for a lot of people is that you tell yourself you can't afford something or you just kind of live in the state of not enoughness or I can't afford that or that's too expensive or da 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 But the truth is, is that it has nothing really to do with the actual number in your bank account, but it more has to do with how you value your own self and like, oh, is this actually something that I could do or want to do or want to invest in. And some of the reasons that you might not is fear of what other people might think of you or fear of, well, you know, is this wrong to spend money on? Shouldn't I spend money on my mortgage or my rent or my kids stuff or things that I quote unquote need and all this other frivolous stuff is just, you know, silly or shallow or whatever the story is. And you can begin to see if you if you kind of ask yourself these questions, you can see how, oh, I could just probably replace the word men or love or relationships or partner or whatever for the word money. And a lot of it, you know, maybe with some editing would still apply. And editing, I mean, like grammar wise, right? So Whatever your money story is, there's a good chance that it very closely mirrors your relationship with your love life. And this is the whole secret to working together, by the way. You know, I have some clients where we've had a conversation where they're like, you know, Veronica, we haven't talked that much about dating and relationships. And we have a little, but am I making progress? Like, is this right? Are we talking about the wrong stuff here? And the truth is, is that, or not even the truth is, like the big secret, although it's not really a secret, is... This work 
and specifically inner child work, and I think just inner work in general, it's really about you. And it's about your relationship with yourself and how you see your own inherent worth and and value. And so yes, that will have a huge impact on your relationships. But like your relationships and your love life don't exist in a freaking vacuum in your life. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I've had clients where they've had a business and, um, you know, clearing some of the stuff has also helped them clear their money stories, which has then helped them build businesses or charge what they really should be charging or not giving, you know, unsolicited discounts or asking for the raise they want or applying for the job that they think they're not qualified for, but they really are all that kind of stuff. So everything is interconnected. So if working together is something that you're interested in, but you're like, I just don't want to totally zero in on my love life, then you'll be in a really good spot, you know, if we if you do decide you want to work with me, because um, yes, we will talk about your love life, we will talk about your exes and relationships and all that kind of stuff. But what we're really getting to is the story that you tell yourself about how you receive love, how you receive your um, feelings of worthiness, value, all that kind of stuff. Now, to be clear, you already are valuable, you already are have this inherent worth, but I'm talking about the story that we believe about it. And you probably will see an impact in your career and your finances and your love life and your health and your friendships and your spirituality, all that kind of stuff. Because again, none of this stuff exists in a vacuum. It it is all interconnected and you are at the center of it. So if this is the kind of work that you're interested in doing, I would love to connect with you. So to learn more and to hop on a consult with me, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. And there you will see an application to fill out. And once you submit that application, that page will forward you to my calendar. And there you can schedule your introductory call with me. And then we will meet and it's a no pressure, no obligation call. And it's really just a chance for me to get to know you and make sure I can help you with the goals that you have. And then for you to get to know me a little bit more and make it a two-way conversation rather than a one-way where I'm just talking at you here on the podcast, uh, just just so you can make sure it's a good fit and is something that you do or do not want to move forward with. So again, the link to do that is veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. All right. And with that, let's get to my call with Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Welcome to the show. How can I help today? Hi, thank you for having me. Okay. I don't know if this is a weird question or not, but um, I kind of wanted to know how to approach, I have a lot of insecurities around just money in general, and it shows up a lot when I like, when I think about going on a date, cause there's like, you know, things that I don't want to necessarily have to, or I don't know how to explain about myself, if that makes any sense. Um, and so I guess I'm asking for a good way to how to approach that in dating. Okay. So let me make sure I'm understanding you. So you're insecure around money as it relates to dating, meaning like who pays for what or well, um, expensive the date is what, what do you mean by, or give me some more specifics. So yes. So, um, yes, as far as that goes, but then also, so I like, I guess the biggest thing is, um, I'm almost, or I'm 29 and I live with my parents currently. And it's not that, you know, I am independent in most ways, you know, I pay for my own car and my own bills and things like that. But for quite a few years in my young adulthood, I was self-employed and I just did not ever get financially stable enough to, you know, pay for a whole, you know, rent and all of that. And so that's kind of an insecurity for me. It's like, I know the reasons behind it. I know that I'm not just like a freeloader or, you know, failure launch, that sort of thing. But at my age, it's like, I don't really want to have to explain that when I'm dating. Like, that's pretty awkward to me. So Okay. Okay. It a little better. Yeah. 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 Okay. So basically, um, earlier in your adulthood, you were self-employed and weren't able to make that stable enough to be able to like cover your own rent or mortgage. And so now there's yeah, something yeah. around it, an embarrassment, yeah. correct? Yes. Okay. 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 Got it. Got it. What do you make it mean? That's the thing. It's like, for me, I know why it is the way it is. I just think it from the outside looking in, it looks like that, you know, I can't be independent or um, maybe it looks like I'm not good at managing money. And it's also, it's like, you know, I, I've never been married. I don't have any kids. So for this point in my life, you would think I would be a lot more 
financially well off, but I'm not because of those circumstances. And so I feel like it just kind of puts me at a disadvantage, like to my peers or, or like if I'm going to, if I'm thinking about dating somebody and they seem really successful in, in that arena, it's like, I feel like we're on different footing. You know what I mean? It's just like, so that kind of brings up insecurities. Mm-hmm. Okay. How was money talked about, you know, just in the way that I do inner child work around love? Like, what did you see between your parents? What was yeah. their relationship? How did you receive love from them? So we can have the same kind of conversation with money. So um, okay. let me just tell you a quick philosophy about my money. First of all, I love you're asking this question. I love, love talking about our relationship with money. It's honestly, like if I was to ever have another business, like it would be something around like spiritual, personal finance, because I could geek out oh, on yeah. this all day. And um, I don't know, maybe I will, but <laughs> uh, we won't make this a two hour episode, although I probably could. So money is, it's neither good nor bad. It's just a thing. It's just an energy, right? It's like, and you can turn it on or off, just like how you can turn on and off like a light switch. And like mm-hmm. you turn off the light switch and then the light turns off because the energy stops flowing to turn the light on. And then you turn the light switch on and then the energy can start flowing and then the light comes on, right? So we think all of these things around money, like, oh, money makes us worthy. Money makes us successful. Money makes us more attractive to somebody. Money makes mm-hmm. us mature. Money makes it whatever. But then also there's like money is the root of all evil. Money makes you greedy. Um, not wanting to spend money makes you cheap. Like there's, so there's all of these stories and narratives that we hear Definitely from society for sure. But like, I think also we have different flavors of that within our households. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm kind of interested in. So how is money talked about or not talking about money also sends messages as well. So tell me a little bit about um, your experience with that. Well, I would say like if my parents argued when I was younger, it was usually about money and it wasn't a constant thing, but it's like if they were going to have an argument, that's probably what it was going to be about. And like mainly my mom was in charge of the finances and which was good in in some ways because it's like, I really appreciate that my dad is not controlling about money at all because I see that in a lot of relationships. I'm like, ew, no. But it was like, he was almost too hands off with it because my mom would be, you know, trying to figure out the bills or trying to figure out this and she would kind of want more help with it. And he would kind of just be like, oh, I can't deal with it. And then there was kind of a scarcity aspect to it too. Not that, you know, we weren't destitute and I had, you know, basic needs met and all of that, but there was definitely like, you know, sometimes like my mom would forget about this one bill and then like an automatic payment. And then that would put her, you know, she would not quite account for it. And then that would put her behind. And so that sort of thing, just, you know, not the greatest management all the time. Mm-hmm. And that would create frustration. So. Right. And so then when you asked for things, well, did you ask for things ever or did you just like say, I'm not going to even ask for anything? What was that like? Um, When I was young, I don't really like, you know, I would ask for things for Christmas or different things like that. As I got older, I really tried not to ask for things because I already knew like, you know what I mean? I already knew that there wasn't really the money for it. And so, and then like, of course, when I got old enough to work myself, I would just try to I would try to work to cover any extra stuff. Like, of course they would pay for my school clothes and supplies and all that. But if it was like, like say in high school, when I wanted to get like my letter jacket or class ring or something, I tried to pay for those kind of extra stuff. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, my, my parents never intentionally like made me feel bad about asking for money. And I knew that they would try to get what, you know, if they could, it's just, I, I would, you know, you would hear something or you would know something and know they didn't really have it. So I wasn't, I didn't, I tried not to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And did you hear things around along the lines of like, Oh, that's too expensive or we can't afford it. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So gleaning from all of this information, what do you think, how do you think that affected your relationship with money? It just, it it gives me like, it just kind of gives me an icky feeling and like, as I've gotten better now, but like when I was, you know, like when I first started working or even now, sometimes it's like, like maybe I'll do some babysitting on the side or something. And it's like, I have a really hard time. Like when the parents get back, like normally people would be like, okay, pay me and I'll go. But I'm like, I kind of just like wait around and wait for them to like, 
You know what I mean? It's like understood that they're going to pay me, but I don't usually like ask for it or like, sometimes. let me ask. And why not? Well, like I say, it just gives me like this icky feeling. Like I just, I have a lot of anxiety about it. Just tell me about um, the icky feeling. What, what are you making it mean? Hmm. It feels uncomfortable. It feels. If I ask for the money I'm owed, then. If I ask for the money that I'm owed, then I'm putting myself out there or I'm. Can I tell you what mine was? Because I had the same thing. I can relate to this. Yeah. If I ask for the money that I'm owed, then I feel stingy. I feel greedy. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just, it feels like, oh, you're only doing this for money. But it's like, if you're working, of course you're doing it for money. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, you're only in it for the money? Yeah. 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 Tell me about your, um, when you were working for yourself, what was that? So I've done a couple of different things. Um, the longest was I had my own, um, bakery. It was not full-time. It was a side business. And then I also worked full-time while I did that. And I did grow over the course of that. I got better at, you know, charging what I should really have charged in the beginning and that sort of thing. But there was also a lot of insecurities with that because like, let's say it's like there were a couple of times where it seemed like, you know, I was finally at the point where I was like, you know what, I need to charge this certain amount to make money. Like I'm not, this is not a charity. I need to make money. And so then I would, you know, quote the job at a certain price and I might, you know, I might get it or whatever. Well, then it's like, it always seems like on those jobs, that was when something went wrong. And then I would feel like I needed to go back and like discount it or, you know, like, cause like with cakes, it's a temporary, you know, it's a temporary product. So sometimes, you know, it's, you do your best and it's great. And then you go to deliver it and something goes wrong. And it's like, not really in your control, but you're responsible for it as the the business owner. So it's like, even when I tried to set a boundary, like this is what I need to make, then something would go wrong. And I'd feel like I had to backtrack on it and, you know, go back to a lower price or. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like you eventually let those endeavors go because ultimately, you know, the money just couldn't, couldn't work. And would you root that down to just some of like the money mindset? I would say so. Um, at the end of that, the cake business, especially, I mean, I was like, I was at peace with, with closing it and whatever, but if I had been making more money, then I might've wanted to keep it going longer. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So the reason that I asked about that is because, well, one, I, I think that one, one thing that might be really helpful for you is just kind of write out what your money story is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing that I have, you know, clients do when, with, with relationships is like, what are your past somewhere between one to five, just depending, um, most significant relationships, not significant, meaning like the longest ones, but the ones that just had the biggest impact, right? Because that's going to impact how you feel about relationships, what's true in relationships, how to get what you want, how to get what you need, how to ask for what you want, all that kind of stuff in relationships. And some of those things might have a more um, limiting kind of belief (laughs) nature. And so it's just helpful to know, okay, this is my starting point. And so one thing that I think might be really helpful for you is to get really clear on how in the past have you related to, to money? Because when you go on dates and you feel shame around your money situation or living with your parents, then really what that's telling me is that that's the relationship you have with money, that the money means something, that the money marks, whether it's your worthiness or your likability or how smart you are or successful or whatever it is, like it's, it, you've attached some sort of meaning to it. Right. Yeah. And so that's the thing that we need to shift. You know, just like how someone, you know, dating might think, well, I have to, you know, be really available or, you know, you know, um, help this person or get them to like me in order to feel good enough or in order for, you know, them to want to be in a relationship with me. Right. Like these are old beliefs that aren't necessarily going to go away overnight. Mm -hmm. Same exact thing with money. And I actually have a theory 
that I think we relate to money. I say money and men just because like, you know, alliteration, it works really nicely. Although I do try to not be, you know, gender normative or heteronormative, but like Mm -hmm. money and love doesn't really have the same. I mean, I guess it kind of does have a ring, but not like money and men because, you know, it can't beat alliteration ever pretty much. But I do think that we relate to the people that we want to be in romantic partnership with and money in very similar ways, because at least in the society that we live in, they're both used as a measure of worth. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Well, it's not a good thing because, because your worth yeah. is already is and like your worth is inherent. It's like divine, you know, divinely inspired. It's, it's God given, like no amount of money makes you more or less worthy being single or in a relationship doesn't make you any more or less worthy than anyone else. And so that's really what I see you doing. So it's not really necessarily like, okay, how do I talk about this in a way that makes me feel okay when I'm on a date with somebody? Cause like, that's more of just like putting a bandaid over it. Uh I really want you to think about how can I actually transform my relationship with money? Because Mm -hmm. I also, you know, there, there is like in the whole money mindset kind of Instagram space, there's this, I don't know, memeable quote or quotable thing that I always see uh, where it's like your self-worth equals your net worth or something like that. Net worth equals something along those lines. And I mean, like a lot of things, there's truth in it for sure. But I also think that those kinds of ideas are super problematic just because does that mean like, okay, everyone who doesn't have a lot of money or isn't a millionaire or a billionaire has lower net, like has lower self-worth than like Sarah Blakely or Mark Cuban or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, can you tell I've been watching um, Shark Tank reruns or whatever? And it's just like, no, plus that doesn't even take into account like, you know, race and gender and like history is tied with that. It's really messy. But, but my point is still stands though, where I do think that when we do tie our worth to the money that we're making, then that is going to not only impact, yeah, how you might show up on a date and any kind of shame or embarrassment you might feel around it, because that's the story that you've tied. But I also mm-hmm. think it can kind of keep you stuck in jobs where you're overworked, underpaid, believing that you can't get that promotion or you can't ask for that raise, um, or it's wrong or greedy to ask for that raise. Um, or, you know, there's some statistic, I don't remember exactly what it is, how, you know, women only apply to jobs when they've like, they're qualified for like 90% or something like that of the qualifications, Uh whereas like men will apply to jobs. I don't know. (laughs) It sounds interesting. Um, I I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, I don't know. We could maybe try to find it and put it in the show notes. There's some article about it that I was reading. Anyways, my, my point is, is that our self-worth can have a direct impact on our money. So I see this really as a bigger question and a bigger exploration for you rather than like, how can I just not feel shame when I'm on a date with somebody? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Okay. So what's coming up for you as I share all this? I mean, it, it, it really does make sense. Like, and when you talked about how you relate to money is how you relate to men. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me because it's like, you know, I have problems enforcing or holding up to my boundaries with money and like, as far as asking for it. And it's kind of the same thing in a relationship. Like it's hard for me to ask for what I want or what I need. And, you know, I kind of have this like scarcity mindset around, around money. And I kind of have a scarcity mindset about dating. Like, you know, is there anyone out there? Like, are they, you know, so that really makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give you an exercise to do. And for those listening who can relate, um, I recommend you do this as well. This exercise has been absolutely life-changing for me. And I will tell you, I hate using the word money mindset only because like it's tied to like the law of attraction kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. And I fucking hate that shit. And And so like, I feel like if you like use hashtag money mindset, they're probably also using hashtag law of attraction or something. So I I don't know. I need to come up with another, another phrase to use, but I will say that I didn't realize I had issues and hangups around money until I started my own business and was like, oh shit, I actually have to ask for people for money (laughs) from, from people. And that's highly uncomfortable for 
you know, many of the reasons that, you know, that we've been talking about at the same time, like if I didn't have clients, I probably wouldn't be able to have this podcast because I would probably need to spend my time, you know, getting a job (laughs) so that I could pay my bills. Right. And so, okay. So so here's, here's what I has been absolutely life-changing for, for me. I want you to sit down and make sure you have a nice chunk of time. So like an hour, maybe even two hours, if you have longer, you know, be my guest, but I want you to write down as many memories that you have tied to money. And it's not like you're writing like a paragraph for each memory. It's like that time when my mom said I couldn't, you know, have this thing or that time when I thought I had money and I didn't have to borrow money from a friend that time when blah, blah, blah. So you're just like bullet pointing, right? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And I want you to set a goal of writing like 25 memories, at least, ideally more. If it's really easy to get to 25, then set a goal of 50. If it's easy to get okay. to 50, set a goal of 75. So like the number is somewhat arbitrary, but I want you to just think of like any little memory of your parents fighting about money, something that was said about money, just anything that's like when you couldn't afford something that your friends could afford. Cause all of these things are little micro occurrences that have just created your money story. That's a yeah. good word. money story instead of money mindset. Anyways, they've created your money story and that's ultimately how you are relating to money, which is causing all of these issues now in adulthood. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you have this long list, right? Like I'm talking like 50, 75 items um, on this list. And then you're going to go through, you don't do this all in one go either, but you're going to go through the, these memories. And I want you to just for a second, a few seconds, just drop in to that memory, feel what it felt like. You might've felt embarrassed. You might've felt confused. You might've felt shame. You might've felt something else. Just drop into that for a second. And then who else is there, right? Is it Mm -hmm. your mom telling you something about money? Is it your friend making you kind of feel bad because she has really nice shoes and you don't or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then just send that energy back to them, right? Because it's like their stuff that they're projecting onto you and it doesn't belong to you. It's theirs. It's not hurting them. It doesn't mean you don't like them. It doesn't mean you don't care about them. It's just their energy. It's their stuff and they can choose to do what they want with it, but it's not your problem anymore. And ultimately what you're doing is like, I want you to imagine as if like you were going through your closet and you're like, oh, this shirt belongs to my friend. Oh, this jacket belongs to my sister. Oh, these shoes belong to someone else. And you're just like giving stuff back to people okay? so you can clear your space. Right. And so that's what you're beginning to do. And also during the process of writing all these all these memories, you'll probably come across some themes, right? You might come across some core themes around um, money. Like I can't rely on, you know, myself to generate money or, you know, there's never going to be enough because here's one thing that I learned, you know, when I was starting my business, my scarcity mindset and my fear around money was like at a 10 out of 10, (laughs) 50 out of 10. It was a lot. It was very high. And I kept telling myself, okay, well, once I, you know, have my first five clients or again, some arbitrary number in my head, then I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to feel this fear. Well, like, you know, three years later, when I had worked with like 25, 30 clients at that point, I was still feeling the same damn thing. And so what that made me realize is like, oh shit, this is not about actually the money that's actually in the bank. This is really about how I'm tying my self-worth to the money. Yeah. Right. The number in the bank. 
And that's where inner child work comes in. Okay. You know, inner child work because we work together. Yeah. (laughs) And this is when you, you know, you've got these memories. So you're going to notice these bigger memories. You're going to notice these bigger themes that are coming up. And this Mm -hmm. is when you got to go back and reparent that inner child and help her know that money is money. Money is not good. It's not bad. It's just energy. It's neutral. What you do with it is what makes it good or bad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I heard it said money is a tool and I like that, that makes sense to me. Yes. Too. I love that. That's great. Yes. Money is a tool. And, you know, sometimes like I, I had to like, really like for me, I had to battle this. That's not the right word, but I, I just had to really like wrestle <laughs> with this belief that, you know, it was, I don't know. I mean, my mom and my dad both had like issues around money in very, very different ways, but I think they ultimately had negative beliefs towards people who are rich. Um, yeah. and, and by the way, it's not that we were poor. It's just that like, we weren't rich. They were rich, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, if you had money, it was bad to show it. You couldn't show that you had money. And the only, and the only respectable way to have money was to be discreet about it. Um, oh, that yeah. was like a really big tenant and in, in our, in our family. And then, <laughs> or more of like, my dad is like, ah, you can't trust people who make money. <laughs> Um, and so like doctors and lawyers are just like the freaking worst. Um, (laughs) um, and, and so, and so I had to, I, then I noticed some self-sabotaging patterns of like, oh, if I started doing well in my business, I would do something to sabotage myself, like, you know, spend more money that was actually coming in so that, you know, I wouldn't be this quote unquote bad rich person. Again, it's all arbitrary. It has nothing to do with numbers. It has nothing to do with what's actually in the bank. It's all arbitrary. And so what I had to do is I had to go back to that 10 year old girl who heard all these conversations, who heard all these things from mom and dad, and also saw what they did do or didn't do and say, if you want to have a bunch of money, you can have a bunch of money. Imagine all the great things you could do with that money. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean just like, oh, you could donate it. I mean, you can, right. But I don't want to just fall into the trap of like, oh, women only have to, are only supposed to help other people and fall into this, like, selfless service kind of thing. Again, like donating money and giving money to needy is important and it's great. Um, But I also want, you know, to see like the other great things that you can do with your money, right? You can, um, you know, invest in your own personal growth, which helps, you know, it's like a ripple effect. You can buy healthy or sustainable foods and clothes and other products. And that helps the environment, right? Because you're going to buy like shoes at some point in your life you know, but if you have more money to invest in sustainable, sustainably made shoes versus like, I don't know, whatever most of us wear, like, shop, like, yeah, exactly. Like that makes a difference. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so these are the kinds of conversations that you have to start having with the inner child. Okay. And then you can address the specifics of like, what's coming up for you, like in your dating life. So when you go on dates and you feel shame around the money. Actually, let's let's do this together. So okay. Okay. So close your eyes for me for a moment. And can you feel that shame or that embarrassment when you're on a date and you don't want them to know about your financial situation? Yeah. Okay. So can you identify your inner child in this swirl of emotions? Like can I just picture her or yeah, yeah. Like can you identify that these are actually old feelings around money? And see that as just old stuff coming from the inner child. Yeah. Okay. What would you want to tell her about this? What would you want her to know? That it's it's not her fault that they don't have enough money. And it's not her responsibility at that point. Yeah. So it's not her fault. It's not her responsibility. I think that's great. What else? Or anything else I should say? I think that's mainly it. It's like kind of like, even though maybe consciously I know it wasn't my fault, it was like, you know, I still felt some blame around it or some responsibility for it. Yeah. All right. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. How'd that feel? Good. Good. Anything else? I just have to like let it, you know, like soak in. But do you think you do you think your inner child did take responsibility or try to like kind of fix her parents' problems with money? Well, it was like 
if you could like at least not contribute more to the problem, like the whole like asking for more stuff or. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So there's a little bit of parenting the parent there. Yeah. Managing them. Do you feel like this could help, um, you know, doing these exercises could help with some of the shame that you feel around dating? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, I, you know, I have this like general feeling about money, but I don't think I've ever really taken the time to like break it all down like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then just some practical or it's all practical, some tangible <laughs> things that I really like to do. So some practical things that you can do is one, I don't know how actually tangible this is, is um, how do you want to relate to money? And that's something I've talked about on the show. I talk about how you want to, how I relate to my body. So I like to relate to my body as like a temple. Um, okay. If you want to relate to your body or excuse me, your uh, money as a tool, mm-hmm. you know, a tool to, to make things happen in your life, to help other people, to um, help yourself grow. I think that's great. If there's another word or way you want to relate that comes to mind as you do this work, then that's great too. And then that's just what you do. Do you know what I mean? And then further. And the the next thing is to create some goals around money. And I am really passionate about knowing where every single penny goes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you do this or not, or anyone listening, if you do this or not. And a lot of times people say that and they just get hives all over their body. They're like, Oh, budget, 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 budget. (laughs) (laughs) But the way I think about it, I find it to be quite liberating rather than constraining. So yeah. when people think of budget, it's like, oh, I can't afford that. I can't afford this. Can't afford that. And I just don't think it has to be that way. So one of my favorite financial experts, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. first of all, I had to say, I love Susie Orman, but like, she's super scarcity minded and she just tells you how you can't afford anything. So like, Okay. You know, I, I mean, I she, I have a soft spot in my heart for her, but like, oh. um, who I really love is this guy named Ramit Sethi. I highly okay. recommend his book. It's called "I Can Teach You to Be Rich," or "I Will Teach You to Be Rich," something along those lines. And what I really like is he has this idea of what he calls money dials. And I think I was already doing this, but then when I read about it, like then I was able to put some language behind it and a little bit more of a system and it makes so much sense. So what he talks about is like how in our lives, we have things that we care a lot about and then things we care not a lot about. And so the things that you care a lot about, like spend money there and like budget a lot of money there. Like, don't be afraid to do that. And then the things that you don't care about, like just cut ruthlessly, (laughs) Um, you know, just don't spend the money there either at all. Or, you know, if you don't care about like socks, then just buy like the cotton Hanes socks from target and call it a day. You know what I mean? Like you don't worry about the wicking, whatever, blah, blah, blah stuff. If you really care about socks though, then buy like the freaking nice socks and, and do that. Do you know what I mean? So for me, like I really, really care. My money dials are travel. Mm-hmm. And like my health slash self care. So I will yeah. um, even, you know, like right now I'm not traveling too much, one, because of pandemic, two, because of baby. But I put money away into a special account that's just for travel so that, you know, one day <laughs> I'll have a nice chunk of change at this point because I haven't traveled yeah. at all. So like a really nice trip somewhere. And then I spend a lot of money in my health and, and my, self-care. So when it comes to coaches, when it comes to like any kind of like meditation or spiritual, spiritual programs, facials, massages, orange theory, yoga, like I will, I will spend on that stuff. Yeah. It's fine. Like I have no problem that I don't really like going out. I will never spend my, I I shouldn't say never in the last like 10 years, I've gone to one concert. You know, I, I, I'm not into it. Like my back hurts. I want to sit, I want to sign seat and then I'll consider it. You know what I mean? I'm a grandma, yeah. that, but like, so I won't spend money on that. I will put a little bit of money to like going out, but to me, like my husband's an amazing cook. I'd rather just eat his food most of the time. And so because I cut in other areas of my life, oh, and clothes, I don't really care. I'd rather just buy something that's a little bit nicer. So it'll last, but then like, I don't need like 20 of them. I just need a few things. Yeah. You know? So because I don't spend a lot of money in those other areas of my life, it allows me to actually spend a good amount of money, you know, in the areas of my life that I do care about. 
Um, and then of course there's goals. So like, if you have a goal of whether it's getting out of debt or get moving into your own place, like it's just math, you know, just do the math and figure yeah. out like how quickly what you want it to happen. Um, maybe you're fine. Like maybe make, making it a two-year goal and so that you can spend money on other things, or maybe that's like your number one goal and you're just spending um, not a lot in other areas of your life. And you're spending a lot of money to either like all the debt or to, you know, get out of your parents' house or whatever it is. And that way you feel like you're in control of the money rather than okay. the money controlling you. Yeah. So you have to also then be aware of the language you use around money. I do not say I can't afford that or that's expensive. Okay. If I like, you know, like, again, like if I were to see a pair of boots that I loved and they're like $400, maybe like five years ago, my inclination, like, oh, that's really expensive. That's a ripoff or can't afford yeah. that something along those lines. But now it's just like, I choose to not spend $400 on boots. Like I just don't give a shit. You know what I mean? I would much rather spend $400 like on a spa weekend or, you know, with a coach or a program or just something or, you know, yeah. travel, whatever basically anything other than boots. I just don't care. But if you really love boots, then like, then make it happen. But I don't say that's too expensive or I, and I don't say I can't afford that. I just say, I just choose this for my money elsewhere, gotcha. you know, which is true. Cause if I really wanted the $400 boots, I could figure out a way to get it. I just don't care enough, yeah. you know? And I think that's true, not universally and not all the time, but I think that's true for, um, a lot of us anyways. Again, I could say, I have to stop myself because I could keep going. So um, we're going to wrap this up. So I just want to hear a little bit about how you're feeling about this now. And um, yeah, how are you feeling? Yeah, um, I feel like a little more hopeful about it just because like I kind of have a direction to go now. And, and like I say, I have had some growth over the past few years, but I just, I feel like I'm at a place now in my life where I really do want to like focus on getting rid of these negative, negative connotations about money and and um, being like open to actually making a living and all of that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do what we talked about today in the episode, and then um, when you want some more like of the tangible, practical, financial piece, like I, I can't recommend Ramit Sethi's book enough. And he does talk about like this your money stories. Not doesn't go super in depth with it, but like he he at least acknowledges it, which I think most personal finance people don't do. It's like they either talk about the numbers or they talk about like your mindset around it. And there's very few people that do both I find. And he, yeah. you know, he does. And, and he's like, he, he writes for millennials. Like, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like 50 plus, um, he talks a lot about like retirement, but assuming that you have like 30 years to go. So, okay. So for you, at least that'll be nice. But if you're listening and you're a little bit older, I still think he has great advice. And I will have to think for a second who <laughs> might be a good person to listen to if you're approaching retirement, just not Susie Orman. I love Susie Orman, but she's just so scarcity mindset. She just tells you you can't afford anything, which is just yeah. so depressing. Who wants to live like that? So anyways, all right, my dear, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Brooke, for coming onto the show. As always, I appreciate your courage and vulnerability and willingness to be coachable, not just for, for you and your own sake, but also for the benefit of the thousands of women listening to this show. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And if you are interested in coming onto the show yourself, then head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast, scroll to the bottom. You will see a link somewhere towards the bottom that says something along the lines of want to be on the show click that link. That'll take you to a Google form, fill out the form. And then when I am scheduling uh, new coaching calls, I will reach out to you and it gets you onto my calendar. I talked a little bit more about, uh, you know, preparation and, you know, questions and all that kind of stuff in episode 293. So you can listen to that towards you know, the beginning of this part of the episode where I do the uh, outtake from the coaching call. So just listen to that where I talk about, you know, if you're feeling nervous and using a different name and, you know, what question to ask, all that kind of stuff is, you know, so listen to that first, if you are kind of interested, but also feeling a little nervous or apprehensive about it, I think that will help. Okay, like I said, at the beginning of this episode, I broke down a lot of things while in my call with Brooke. So I'm not going to 
go into it too much here just so this episode doesn't get too long. But like I said, I could talk about this stuff forever. And maybe in another life or another evolution of my career, I will talk more about money because I just find it so interesting on so many levels. I mean, I kind of like numbers and goals and that kind of stuff. But from a spiritual perspective, I just find it super, super fascinating. And there's also politics involved. I mean, gosh, there's just so much I could go on. I won't. But I do want to leave you with clearly defined steps that you can take if this is something that you just want to just finally get over. And listen, like, oh my gosh, I've got my own money story. I have dealt with crippling, oh my God, crippling money scarcity. And it's really just the worst. So whatever your money pattern is, your story, your wound around it, I just can't recommend enough just working through it and healing it because it's exhausting. I mean, I just remember like tormenting myself. I just, I have this one memory, actually. I was a senior in college and it was towards the end of spring semester. So my mom and I hadn't really discussed like, would she still be giving me some money to support myself or would I be totally off on my own right after school? You know, we just hadn't had that conversation yet. So I didn't really know financially what to expect the day graduation came and went. And I think we were like literally weeks away from graduation. And there is this yoga studio that had just opened up near my apartment and I really wanted to go and a drop-in class was like, I don't know, it was like $10 or something. And I was agonizing about it for hours because I really, really wanted to go. I really liked the teacher. I wanted to get my teacher training certification. So I just wanted to do as much yoga as I could. And I was just agonizing about it. And it was like $10, you know what I mean? Like this was not really about the $10. You know, I had a lot more than $10 in my bank account, even though I didn't really have that financial certainty of like what was going to be happening. I didn't have a job or anything like that. I had, you know, in the in the future, but it just, I, I share this memory just because like I was just tormented about whether or not to go to yoga for, for hours. And, and I finally did go and I spent the $10. Um, but like, I just... And that was just one example, but like my life was like that constantly, constantly. And you just don't have to live like that. You really don't. No matter what your bank account says or like how much money you you have in it. You know, I, again, I'm not saying there's not hardship. I know that people, you know, pay is like insanely low compared to inflation and prices and not just even the most recent inflation, you know, that's going on the pandemic. But I, I understand there really truly is money hardship out there. And I'm not discrediting that or discounting that or pretending that it's not real or it's in our head. I'm not saying that at all. Um, But I think for a lot of us, like it really is in our head, like the money is there, but it's not about the actual number that's in the bank account. It's about something else. And um, that is healable that you can you can resolve. Anyways, so your action steps, the first one is go through your money memories. So this is not so different from you know, the exercise that I take you through in my book, You Are Meant for Love, or the exercise I do with clients where we look at past relationships and your relationship was with mom, dad, or whoever your caregivers were. What were the things that were said about money or the things that weren't said about money? Because sometimes things that were unsaid can be even more powerful than the things that were said. What you want to do is you want to look for themes or overarching stories and do inner child work around that, just like you would do inner child work for your relationships. It's really no different. You can insert money, health, career, spirituality, whatever you want in place of of love. And, 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 you know, that's how you're familiar doing inner child work, but you can do it with any area of your life that you want to heal or grow or improve. Number two is, what is the relationship you want to have around money? So this is something that I think, you know, you can, this will be changing. This is not something you write in stone. You know, maybe now you just want your money to feel abundant or you want it to feel nourishing. And yes, those are the two ways I want to feel when it comes to when it comes to money. And not abundant necessarily in that there is an abundance of money. Although, yes, I would like an abundance of money, but I want it to feel abundant. You know what I mean? And some of the other action steps that I have later on, I think really do help me feel that abundance again, no matter what the actual dollar amount is that I have in my bank account. Number three is know where every single penny goes, not in the sense of penny pinching, but in the sense of every penny has a purpose, okay? And this is really actually how I embrace that abundance, right? Because before, like again, like that $10 yoga class that I told you about, that's not really feeling abundant, spending that $10, even though I have way more than $10 in my bank account, do you know what I mean? But when every penny has a purpose, then if I know that I wanna spend money on yoga classes from time to time, then I can make sure that I have money allocated for that very purpose. And that might mean I don't spend money on other things that aren't as important to me. And that's okay. And so then when I 
by the yoga pass or the yoga class pass or whatever, I can feel like, yes, this is awesome. I really want to go to the studio and I can afford it and it's amazing. And that really helps that abundant feeling. Do you know what I mean? And that has nothing to do with how much money is actually in my bank account. Okay, the fourth thing that I want you to do is know what your money dials are. Now, the phrase money dials, I'm pretty sure Ramit Sethi coined those. I just want to give credit, you know, where credit is due. This is something I've actually been doing for a while. I just didn't have a terminology for it, but I really do like the phrase money dial. Maybe I'll come up with my own phrase at some point. But his whole thing is spend generously on the things that are important to you and then cut ruthlessly in the areas that are not important to you. So I have really have done that in my own life. I do not care about spending $50 on a pair of shoes for my baby that he's going to grow out (laughs) of in about two weeks. You know what I mean? So everything is hand-me-downs or from the baby thrift store. I am not spending a lot of money on clothes, even as I see other preschool moms dressing up their kids and all the cutest, latest fashion from Gap or Old Navy. And I'm like, I'm just not doing that because they're going to grow out of it in about two weeks. And if they want to spend their money there, that's cool. They're allowed to do that. I'm not judging them. It's their their money. Have fun. But for me, I would much rather spend that money on my own personal development or travel and vacations, um, buying organic food, things like that. Those are, those are mo- my money dials. So what are your money dials? How can you spend even more there, which is like against all other financial, you know, ed- or personal finance advice. But I don't think personal finance is just about how can you like stop spending money on lattes. I think it also should be about how can you use your money to build a life that you really love and that feels fulfilling. So what do you actually want to spend money on? And then where can you cut more that you just don't really care about? So other than not spending, you know, money on new clothes for my son, I also don't really spend that much money on going out. Now from time to time, I will because I do love a good glass of bubbly and Chardonnay. I do love going out to sushi from time to time, but like, I'm just not gonna, it's not something we do all the time every week or whatever, maybe once or twice a month. And that seems enough. I don't spend money on a lot of clothes. I don't spend money on like events. So like, I can't remember the last time I spent like money going to like a festival or live music. If there's a cover at a bar, that's like a deal breaker. And people can call me cheap, or they can have whatever judgment they want. But for me, I know I want to spend my money elsewhere. So where do you want to spend your money? And where do you not want to spend your money? And the final piece of advice I have is, I really, really encourage you to avoid saying I can't afford it or that's too expensive. Because when that's your terminology, then you're really giving money the power over you. And I want you to feel like you have the power over your money. So again, instead of saying like, you know, if my friend would be like, hey, so-and-so is in town, let's go to this concert or whatever. I would just be like, you know what, you guys go and then I'll meet up with you afterwards or let's do a hike the next day, like something that just feels a little bit more in line with how I like to spend my both my time and my money because also like going to a concert sounds like my worst nightmare. That's besides the point. Rather than saying like, oh, it's too expensive. I'm not spending 50 bucks on on that. It, it gives me the power. I really do believe that a lot of us can afford pretty much anything that we really wanted. Um, we might have to shuffle some things around. Now, of course, like I, I am not in a financial position to purchase my own private jet, but nor do I have any desire. But I, I really do think that for most of us, I don't know if most is the right, but a lot of us, we can afford just about anything that we would want. It's just a matter of like whether or not we have a desire to make it happen if it's within our money dials. And I think when you can start thinking about what you choose to spend your money or not choose to spend your money on from that perspective, rather than like, oh, that's expensive or that's cheap or whatever. I think again, I think it just gives you more agency uh, feeling over your money, which um, helps with the scarcity and helps you feel how you want to feel with your money, all that kind of good stuff, which can help heal it. And then you don't have to like be in agony for like hours about whether or not to go to a $10 yoga class. Anyways, so with that all being said, again, a reminder before I sign out, if you are interested in working together potentially this year to heal some of these money stories, also heal your love life and all the other ways in which you know, low self-worth or undervaluing yourself shows up in your life, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. Again, there you will fill out a quick form. You'll schedule an introductory call with me and there we'll get to know each other and you can make a decision from there as to whether or not working together is the right next step for you. All right, my dear, next week, I've got Veronica Peretti back on the show. It's been a minute since she's been on. I'm super excited to have her on. She's going to give us a little sneak peek into the astrology of 2020. We're going to talk also about 
compatibility and astrology charts. It's something that's been coming up a lot with my client sessions. And Veronica and I did a session about this or a podcast about this a long time ago, but I want to kind of freshen it up and ask some different questions, more nuanced questions that are coming up with clients that I think you might also find interesting. You know, for example, like if you're a Taurus, can you date a Gemini or whatever? (laughs) Uh, So Veronica is going to help decipher all of that as well. All right, my dear, until then, I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.